Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 662 of the Juicebox podcast. Today, we're going to speak with Jeremy, who is a past guest on the show. Today's topic is much different than his first topic. We'll cover that later in the podcast. But today, Jeremy's going to tell you about how he manages his son's type 1 diabetes with Tandem's Control IQ. And let me tell you something. Jeremy's a a next-level guy. He's a bit of a ninja. He took what he learned on this podcast and just kept learning about Control IQ. And today, he's going to tell you all about how he does it. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. After the show today, if you'd head over to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and fill out the survey, I would appreciate it. You need to be a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1. It only takes a few minutes. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Head over to contournext.com forward slash juicebox to see my favorite blood glucose meter. Today's show is also sponsored by U.S. Med. A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau always provides 90 days worth of diabetes supplies, has fast free shipping, and accepts over 800 private insurers. And on top of that, they take pride in you receiving better service and better care than you're accustomed to getting with your current supplier. Go to usmed.com forward slash juice box to get your free benefits check or call 888-721-1514. Make US Med your diabetes supplier. What episode were you on the first time? Um, it was the after dark, uh, divorce episode. Yeah. We didn't really talk about like, yeah. Okay. So go ahead and reintroduce yourself. Okay. I'm Jeremy Rolfsmeyer. Um, I'm a single dad of a type one diabetic uh, named Thaman. He's 13 years old and we have, uh, been diagnosed for four years and our A1C has been between 5.3 and 5.8 for over three and a half years. Wow. And in these three and a half years, have you always been using Control IQ or has it been different management? No, we, we've done all three. We've done straight pumping with Tandem. We've done basal IQ pumping and Control IQ pumping, all maintaining that same A1C spread. Very nice. Okay. I mean, sometimes I feel like I, I, I was blessed to be able to straight pump because you really, really understand what adjustments do to blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it you can start anywhere, really. Yeah. Yeah. You could figure it out with needles. You could figure it out with pens. You can figure it out with a pump. But it's all just watching the insulin go in and seeing what it does. It's, I mean, it's great, obviously, to be able to adjust your basal on the fly and not have to wait 24 hours to inject again sure. to try to make an, uh, an improvement or, or a change. 
Just real quick for people, uh, that episode that Jeremy was on before, 508 After Dark, Adult Child of Divorce. You actually came on that one because you started out, uh, let me see if I can remember this, Jeremy. Well, this will be interesting. You were. I don't know. I I don't know if it is that one because you said adult. Oh, oh, I said the wrong one. Excuse me. Jeez. 372 after dark divorce and co-parenting. There you go. That one. I'm starting to to pop. Actually, uh, there's a lot of them here. (laughs) (laughs) I have one, two. I searched divorce in my episodes and came back with four. Oh, no kidding. All right. Yours is 372 uh, about co-parenting because if I'm remembering correctly, you're divorced as your child is diagnosed. And and we all get along. <laughs> right. And you guys actually get along. Right. And that's what you yes. were talking about. Right. I did get a lot of um, impact uh, uh, impactful letters back from people where they're like, can you just interview somebody who's not getting along and how they're doing it? Yeah. And I said, uh, good luck getting somebody who's not getting along with their ex to come on a podcast and talk about it. I was like, people are not generally excited to uh divulge that kind of stuff but i have uh gotten a little closer in a recent episode 625 was about uh divorce and disagreement and that person yes and it was an excellent excellent representation of the other side yeah yeah so i finally got there it's not i'm just saying not easy to get somebody to come on and talk about their spouse or their ex-spouse yeah especially if they're not getting along very well all right so jeremy you are back today because well i know you and I know you, especially through the Facebook page, um, but through our previous conversations and we text sometimes and you are very good at using control IQ. And, I, you know, I've had uh, somebody on recently to talk about it and we, I thought, had a pretty surface conversation about it. And I didn't know enough about control IQ to push back in certain places. So you're sort of on here to help me dig deeper. Um, sure. Yeah. So, I mean... Kind of take it away. Tell me what you what you would tell somebody else if I said, "Hey, should I should I try Control IQ?" What would you say? So, just to kind of give you an idea here, I also, and this is not an invitation to contact me and ask. I also can uh, follow three other children up here in Montana that are on Control IQ. Mm-hmm. I also control their pumps. Their A one Cs are all below seven as well. Um, so. I, I've kind of done this long enough with enough samples to understand what needs to be done with control IQ to get it to work. Um, not just on my child, but on different age children, on male, females in puberty, out of puberty. Um, but th- what it really comes down to is that um, before you, we even get into control IQ, there's a few things that in my opinion, it doesn't matter um, what pump you're on that needs to be, um, better understood or mentioned, um, before we get into control IQ, um, stuff like consistency, um, how you treat lows, um, what you treat lows with, um, using protein at night and just allowing basil to do its job. Mm -hmm. Um, the way that we treat like between my son and I is we either use Mott's apple juice. That's the all natural stuff. Mm -hmm. Or we use gummies. We know how much apple juice to drink to get to three carbs. We know how much to drink to eight carbs and it's consistent and it works the same way every single time. And you're going to hear the the consistency through the control IQ point, um, point of view as well. 
um, we know that what a uh, gummy will do to his blood sugar. We know that when he's dropping this hard, he needs this many gummies. The longer that you stick with the same sort of thing, the better results you're going to have. Um, instead of just throwing Oreos at your child. Um, um, so, then like, so let me, be, let me make sure. Cause I, I know what you're saying, but I want to make sure we're all clear. Sure. There are impacts variables all over diabetes, yes. including the things you don't think of as being impactful. And the idea of you're getting low. Uh Oh, what do I do? Doing something consistent breeds a consistent response. And more, yes. more importantly, allows you to move forward without, crazy highs or crazy lows or things that you don't expect to happen. So if you're consistent with how you bump your, your low blood sugars, then you'll be consistent with what happens afterwards. Not just like, Hey, this time eat an Oreo next time, have a piece of chocolate cake this time, yes. drink a soda, like that kind of thing. Treat the, yes. And there's always times to eat the whole fridge. Yeah. Right. You know, there, there's always those extremely high Delta where they're about to pass out and you just grab anything and everything and throw it down their throat. It doesn't happen often. Um, if it is happening often, there's something wrong. Right. Um, but moving, moving on from that, we have to kind of talk about what, what I call garbage in, garbage out, mm -hmm. which means that, you know, you need to be checking your Dexcom ratings not just doing nothing about them. That starts with a good glucometer. And I, this is not an ad for, for, uh, uh, you want me to do the ad, Jeremy, uh, the contour yeah, next please. one blood glucose meter. Are you about to say that? Are you about to say yes. it's a great meter? Yeah, I just yeah. couldn't remember what the hell it was called, <laughs> but you that use one it. thing. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, um, and, and the thing is we've tried different um, there are tons of third-party studies out there that shows that that contour next one is the most accurate meter on the market period mm -hmm. now i understand there are some people that you know can't afford uh, you know something like that because the strips are fairly expensive um but there there's so many times that that meter will exactly match dexcom it's not even funny yeah i agree um, and then there's certain things about Dexcom. Like you need, I, I hear, I hear a lot of people say, oh, well, we never calibrate. We are a family that calibrates, um, with my son. If you do not calibrate the second it comes on, it will dump low to low and it will die. You have to calibrate my son immediately when it comes on. Mm -hmm. And then you're good for the first two days. You have to calibrate on the third. Then we have to calibrate on the eighth. Every other finger stick that we do every single morning, this is consistency, and every single night before he goes to bed is normally within five points. Yeah. But you still um, do it. You still do it every time. You still do it every single time. Yeah. You, you have to. The, the, the sensor will die. We've, we've heard, you know, Kevin Sayer come on and say that it's just, it doesn't work the same way for everybody. We just figured out what works for us. Mm -hmm. And with a, a very accurate Dexcom reading from a very, you know, uh, accurate uh, glucometer, you can stop the garbage in, garbage out. And what I mean by that is only testing the blood sugar and checking Dexcom whenever the side arrow is sideways. And um, 
making sure you under, understand how the Dexcom works. Um, so that the numbers you're working with are good. Are accurate. Yeah, so that yes. you can so you end up making good decisions. Arden's interesting. Arden's Dexcom well, either works, boom, or, or it's needs nothing. to be calibrated on the first day. Yes. One or the other. It, it, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen a rhyme or reason to it. I, I would tell you the last six of them we've put on, I haven't had to do that. And then yep. before that, a couple of them needed it. Um, people's body chemistry is different. There's all kinds of different things going on. But yep. your, your, your specific point is so incredibly important and valid, which is you are making decisions, measuring a medication based on a number. And you might be getting that number with a meter that's not accurate or a CGM that's not accurate, and then you're making decisions and and running forward. I love that you test twice a day. But, but here's the bigger picture, Scott. Yeah. You keep saying that I'm making decisions. Now put an algorithm in control. Right. You have bad Dexcom ratings. You it's it's a hundred points higher. And it's dumping more insulin than it should. Garbage in, garbage out. You have garbage information going into the algorithm. You're going to get garbage out. Mm -hmm. So it is very vitally important to make sure that you have a, a Dexcom reading that is reliable. Yeah. This is this is this is all algorithms. This is Omnipod Five. This is Control IQ. This is going to be Control IQ 2.0. Whatever else comes out from Medtronic. You know, everything is based off of that blood sugar reading. And right. if it's not accurate, how can you expect your results to be accurate? Mm -hmm. They can't. And you have to take some responsibility for that yourself. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, there's, um, can I take a, a, a tiny, like, brief little sidebar here on this? Sure. Um, I'm forever interested when longtime type ones come on and they'll say things like, um, I didn't want to get a CGM until there was no calibration needed because it, it, it's always, the inference is always that it's such an inconvenience. Like, why would I take on this new thing if it still needed my effort? And I think that's an old timey way of thinking about it. Yes. You know, I, I think that, I mean, a CGM for my daughter is first, like, like seriously, if the house was burning down and I could grab a pump or a CGM on the way out the door. Not it would be one. the CGM I'd have to all take day. the CGM, right. Um, not to say that it's a one or the other decision. I'm also, of course, a huge fan of the pump. But um, but my point is that is that the idea that if it's not completely nothing I have to touch ever or nothing I have to think about, then I don't want to do it. I don't understand. You, you know, like this is just, this is where we're at with this technology. And, you know, using Dexcom G6 as an, as an example, you know, if they tell you you don't need to calibrate that means they got it through the FDA and and you're going to be okay if you don't calibrate. But you that might be that one day the thing thinks you're 130 and you're I don't know, 150 or you're exactly. one or you're 80 and it says you're one I don't know. Like it might not but be But here here's yeah. the thing though, Scott, is that if you want better than average control, right, right. you need to have better than average information going in effort too. and in order to get that better than average information going in you have to calibrate you you hear people all the time saying oh dexcom's 15 minutes behind not if your line is straight not it, it that's only whenever it's falling or rising if it's if if you're primarily straight and i know and i, I will get into this later 
that I'm not saying my son is straight all day long. He right. is not. He is just like Arden. He has trips to 180, may, maybe once a day, mm-hmm. and he comes back down. I'm not one of those people that that craves a absolutely straight line. Mm-hmm. I, I do not go nuts. I just don't allow it to to get nutty in the long run. Yeah. But your point is, is that when you're in the middle of stability and you're, the blood sugar is 96 and it's been 96 for the better part of three hours, if you're, there's a way to be certain that that's true. And by, che- you know, checking with a finger stick and, and then telling, yes. and then calibrating sometimes. And that's first thing in the morning when they first wake up. Okay. That's how it's working. For glass of water, check your blood. He knows every morning, glass of water, check your blood. Hmm. Water gets blood moving and he doesn't have anything impacting his blood sugar. Dexcom should be pretty straight on. Yeah. And it it is normally. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's like within five point. If it's within five, we don't touch it. If it's within 10, like if it's 10 or more, we're, we're calibrating. And that's both. That's way. Sorry for the swearing. Um, That's, that's just, it's not acceptable. And, And I know that may sound extreme, but it's not. It really isn't. And from your and from your experience, um, what's my question here? Uh, this is just proving out to you over and over again. Yes, but it is not what because Dexcom would tell you to do. Is that correct? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, just like you know, dumping more insulin on your kid thirty minutes after he just ate is not what an endo would tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, moving on more to like the pump, um, the next thing that you, you kind of have to remember is that um, you have to understand the pump that you're on. It doesn't matter which pump it is. You have to understand how it works, especially if there's an algorithm involved. Um, Control IQ is not a miracle machine like a lot of people think. Um, adjustments still have to be close and made and sometimes made often. Um, But you you start looking at the tandem and and I don't want to start sounding like a tandem shill, but I am. Um, The the, the big things with tandem is that you can adjust basal in Mm 0.001 increments after 0.1. Like Omnipod or Medtronic can do 0.05. That's a 50 times increase in adjustability and we all know how much basal is how how important basal is um something that a lot of people don't know is that the on a tandem the carb ratio if it's under 10 you can adjust it by 0.1 instead of one If, if eight isn't working and nine's too strong you can do 8.1, 8.2, 8.3, 8.4, 8.5. You can do 5.1 mm-hmm. to dial in that carb ratio. Okay. Once again, this comes back to consistency. Yeah. You need you it you can't just flop on either or. If nine's too strong, you can't say, oh, well, I'll just, you know, turn their basil down for a half an hour. No, get it right. I mean, let's be honest. Our kids normally eat the same thing every morning at breakfast. I try to offer them a million different things, but it's always pancakes with chocolate chips, strawberries, and milk. Wow. Every single morning. That's a lot of cooking. <laughs> well, we always get those frozen. Oh, okay. Okay. 
I you know, like, pancakes. I got a picture. My, ones. Oh, I got in your in my mind, Jeremy. You're whipping up pancake batter and cutting yep. up strawberries and all right. No. <laughs> so, but so back to that other point. You're saying that, like for instance, Arden's um, carb ratio is one to four and a half, but it could end up being one to four point seven instead. Yes. Of, right. And you have that, and, and it will it will allow the tandem will allow you to make those tenth adjustments if the carb ratio is under ten. Mm-hmm. And you may think, oh well, you know that's just being too picky. Well, no, like whenever carb ratios get below ten, they get crazy. You know, my son is thirteen. He, according to his endo, I don't really understand it. There's four stages of puberty, and he's in stage three and he's peaking right now and he doesn't understand how he's still less than one percent low and is you know he doesn't understand how he's 5.6 and he doesn't understand a lot but you know (laughs) (laughs) the proper pump adjustment is is one thing you know yeah um so so these all these little things put together are the yes. answer to, are the answer to stability, right? It's the yes. making sure that the data you're working off of is sound. It's not yes. just randomly picking an amount of insulin, but actually being able to dial it in very closely. Um, yes, and it's consistency with how you are addressing low blood sugars. Uh, it's consistency with drinking that glass of water in the morning before you test your yes. blood sugar. Like all those little things, do you find them to be overwhelming, or do they just happen pretty? No, they they have they they seem a little at at first, and I, I've had a few parents tell me, "Well, that seems like a lot." I'm like, "No, it it doesn't." Real after about you know a week, you'll be like, "Oh, this makes sense." Mm-hmm. And the families that I do help, you know, and that they do get this way, you'll see like a huge improvement. They go, "Oh, I get it now." Okay, because you'll start seeing those those improvements. You know, it's not just in the, in the pump or yeah. the algorithm. It's how you're treating everything else. Right. So when you hear um, when you hear me say that um, more effort up front saves you a ton on the back end, that's how you think yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I, yes. And th- but the thing is, is it doesn't become a lot up front, other than the first couple of weeks while you're getting used to it. Once you get it going, you're not being strict. You're not forcing. You know, I'm 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 lucky as hell that my son loves apple juice and he's never become bored of it. I ask him like every other month or so hey do you want to try something else other than apple juice and he goes nope i'm good mm. yeah but you know boys nice but- and easy sometimes tell me if this sounds familiar you're all set up with a diabetes supplier and they've told you don't worry we're gonna send you your supplies on time you're never gonna have to call us again this is gonna be easy And then one day, your stuff doesn't show up. You run out of your Dexcom supplies, your Libre supplies, your insulin pumps, and the new ones aren't there the way they're supposed to be. So you call them up on the phone, and what do you say? Well, I don't know what you say, but here's what I say when it happens to me. Say, you guys told me this wasn't going to be a problem. They say, this always happens at the end of the year. Well, we needed a new prescription, and we reached out to your doctor, but they didn't get back to us. Then there's this long pause, like it's not their fault. The people who told you they were going to take care of this are now foisting the blame onto someone else. What does that mean that they reached out to your doctor? I don't know. Does that mean they sent them a fax? They call them on the phone? They send up smoke signals? I couldn't begin to tell you what my old suppliers did. 
what I can tell you is what US Med does. It's simple. They get it done. There's no, 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 I'm not supposed to curse during the ads, but you hear what I'm saying. US Med tells you they're going to take care of it. They're going to get a script from your doctor. Then they get a script from your doctor. It's that simple. US Med takes over 800 private insurances. They accept Medicare nationwide, and they always provide 90 days worth of supplies with fast and free shipping. Carry everything from insulin pumps to testing supplies, CGMs. They have what you need. All you have to do is go get your benefits checked at usmed.com forward slash juice box. If you don't like the internet, you could also call 888-721-1514. Well, now we know where you're going to get your blood glucose meter at, but now we need to decide which one are you going to buy. If you ask me, I'm going to say the one that my daughter uses the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. I have no copy in front of me. I'm not looking at a website. Let me just tell you why I would pick that meter. First thing that pops in my mind, it's easy to hold, easy to carry, easy to put in a bag or a pair of pants or wherever you carry your stuff. You know what I mean? Like a pocket. It's small, but not too small. It's easy to read, has a bright screen and a bright light for nighttime viewing. The test strips allow second chance testing. Here's what that simply means. Should you touch the blood but not get enough, you can go back and get more without interfering with the quality of the test result. And that is not to say that it needs a lot of blood. It actually doesn't need very much at all. The sample size I find to be very small. This is, in fact, the easiest to use, handiest, and most importantly, most accurate blood glucose meter that my daughter has ever used that I have ever used, that I have ever been in the same room with, the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Go find out more about it at contournext.com forward slash juice box. When you get there, you're going to see a very informative website and easy ways to get yourself a great meter. It's actually possible that the meter and test strips could be cheaper in cash than you're paying right now through your insurance your current meter. And there's very little chance that that meter is as accurate as the Contour Next One. There's only one thing left for you to do. Go to a browser, type contournext.com forward slash juice box. You will also find links in the show notes of the podcast player you're using and at juiceboxpodcast.com. And by the way, if you're listening in an audio app to this podcast, please hit subscribe or follow. All right, that's it for the ads. Let's get back to Jeremy. He has a lot more to share about how he uses Control IQ. The biggest thing is like we're talking once again about pump adjustment is um, you'll hear often people will tell you to adjust basal by 10%. That seems to be a pretty standard adjustment. Um, but I, I always tell people not to, and, and here's why. Let's say your kid is 0.75 an hour, and you add 10% to that. The math to that is it will end up equaling out 0.825, I believe, and that will be a difference of 0.075. You're adding 0.075 when adding 10% to 0.75. Mm-hmm. So then they're at 0.825, which Tandem doesn't have a problem doing. It can go out to that thousands, remember. Um, so 
point or sorry, 0.825 plus 10%. They need more, another basal increase. You're now at 0.907. And that's a difference of 0.082. So you've went from an increase at 75 of 0.075, and you've now increased basal again by 0.82 or 0.082. Then from 907, you add 10%, you get 0.997. Now you're adding 0.09. It's not consistent. Every single time, whenever I first started out, I, the the best thing my, the CDE could have told me is every single time, or she kind of showed me on an AGP report and I'll kind of talk about that a little bit later, but every time you see a change here, I want you to just change the pump by 0.025. That that was my quote baby step. That's what she called a baby step to right. me. Right, but a consistent. And then, a consistent but it's one. consistent point yeah, zero yeah. two five because you'll know what point zero two five does. Mm-hmm. If it keeps increasing because you're going by ten percent, there's no consistency there. You're adding more and more and more, or taking away less and less. Um, currently. 0.025 is a huge jump for us. Mm-hmm. Once you get basal dialed in enough, I literally move my son's basal by five one thousandths of a unit of basal per hour. I know exactly what that does, and it's normally nine out of ten times enough to get him perfectly back in line. Wow. If you take our Dexcom 90-day AGP report, it is a straight line with very little variation Hmm. and it's all because of the consistency it's knowing what that 0.005 or a 0.01 change in basil will do and keeping it consistent Hmm. how Um, how often do you think you change this basil rates um so i changed them two days ago before that i had not touched them in a month and a half to two months even in full bore puberty Mm -hmm. And he's still, his average blood sugar is still down there, very low 100s. And his ST is in, in the mid 20s. That's excellent. And I wasn't able to, I, once you get dialed in and you fully understand how to keep things consistent, things stay consistent. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand there are people in honeymoon that does not apply to you. Um, there are people that, you know, have sports, does not apply to you. While my son is active. Um, that's it, it. A lot of it's about knowing how to treat before sports, before jumping on the trampoline, before doing all this other stuff. Um, he knows like before PE, because he's moved into independent at school. He knows before PE, he goes and asks the teacher, Hey, what are we doing today? And if it's something like we're playing dodgeball or we're running the mile, he knows to grab, you know, something out of his bag and get some carbs moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just con- more consistency. Um, but let, let's, you want to get into control IQ Yeah. and actually no, talk I, about appreciate, it? I appreciate your overview of how you think about it though. Yeah. I, I mean, really that's very helpful to me because I mean, you will admit, I would imagine, um, maybe you won't, but, um, you listen to the podcast. So yeah. you're thinking at this, at, I think you're taking like things that I talk about and you're being more granular with them. Yes. Much more so than I ever am. Um, yes. And and you're fine tuning things down even farther. Like you're 
you keep tightening that that wrench until it's exactly where you want it to be. It's it's amazing. I mean, it's yeah. Really and well the, done. but the thing is, like I said, is that once you get there, you don't have to do much work. Once it's, it's there, it's about learning the patterns and staying consistent. Right. And looking at the AGP report at least once a week yeah. and saying, "Oh, look at that! I might want to scooch that up a little bit," instead of just, "Oh my God, what's going on?" It's like one day it's just random. If it happens two days for me, there needs to be a change. If the third day it's still not right, you're going to get changed again. You know, something's going to change. You know what my bigger takeaway from this is? It's that wherever you are, you're not too far. Hmm. Wait a minute. How do I say this? Hold on. Let me think, Jeremy. If your management style keeps you at a 200 blood sugar, and suddenly your blood sugar tries to jump to an average 210 blood sugar. You don't have to manage much to get back to 200. If your average management keeps you at 150 or 120 or 110 or 80, whatever your management style is, once you're there and you can accomplish it, even when other variables come in and try to move you off of your success, the adjustments that come back to where your norm is are not these great crazy things that need to be done is that the thing you're telling me yes okay all right i agree okay so yeah um let's talk about algorithms and how how at least control iq works because i often see in post people saying way way wrong things okay and i i often want to correct them but i often come off as a jerk and oftentimes Scott has to get on there and say, oh, well, like, Jeremy's a really good guy. <laughs> boys <laughs> really are not, well. sometimes boys are not good at communicating and writing. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so the first thing that you need to know um, about control IQ is there's three different modes. There's normal mode, there's exercise mode, and then there's sleep mode. Mm-hmm. We do not, we're not a sleeping beauty. We do not use sleep mode 24 hours a day. There's a lot of people that swear by it, but my endo would come unglued and I'm just not going to deal with it. Our results are fine. We don't have to go there. So in normal mode, this is where control IQ is at 90% of the day. If you're using control IQ as it should be, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's the right way because there's many ways to skin a cat. So in normal mode, control IQ will target 112.5. I know that's a weird number, but it is a real number. Um, However, we'll adjust the basal based on predicted blood glucose levels. Mm -hmm. 30 minutes out, that's six readings. Now, if you're maintaining between 112.5 and 160, it will deliver the settings that you yourself or your endo has put into your pump. Nothing changes. It's not doing anything but running off the settings inside your pump. Now, control IQ will increase basal insulin if the sensor glucose value is predicted to be above 160 in the next 30 minutes. Once again, that six readings, it looks, it says, okay, they're moving by plus five. The Delta is moving by plus five every five minutes. If I apply that six readings out, are they going to be above 160? Yes or no. If yes, it's going to start increasing the basal. 
Now, control IQ will decrease basal insulin delivery if the sensor glucose is predicted to be below 112.5 in the next 30 minutes. Once again, six readings out. If you're 180 and you start dumping by 20s, it's going to start, you know, cutting insulin. Control IQ will stop all basal insulin delivery if the sensor glucose level is predicted to be below 70 in the next 30 minutes. So if you're dropping hard and it, th- it depending on how fast you're moving, if it thinks that you're going to be below 70 in the next 30 minutes, it will cut all insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes you have to, you have to understand that when setting your basal, that, while it's important with control IQ insulin sensitivity factor is just as important as basal, if not more important than basal with control IQ. Okay. Because the pump uses the ISF or the insulin correction ratio or the correction factor, however you want to say it to determine how much insulin to increase or decrease when making its modulation to the basal. So what I like to tell people is to think of it as an aggressiveness knob. If you're seeing BG cycling, which means that you start to go high and then the, you, you start to go low and you're kind of riding a wave all night long. What that means is that you've actually got two wrongs, which look like a right. While it's fairly steady, you're cycling. And what will happen um, this happens, I know, with loop a little bit too. I'm not sure about Omnipod 5 yet. But what happens is if you get the basal a little loose, you'll start drifting up. Then Control IQ will say, oh, they're drifting up. We need to add more insulin. Then the ISF is a bit too stiff, and it will start sending you low, and it will cut insulin. And then you're stuck, in the, and then you'll start going high because of the cut of insulin. And then you'll go low because it, you end up cycling. Bouncing, yeah. So what looks normal might be two wrongs look like a right. So, um, And so that's the you, biggest complaint is that basal IQ cuts insulin, then they go high, and then they overcorrect and they go low. Right. So you're, the pump's already trying to handle it, and you, you're not allowing it to because of your settings. Are you saying that this becomes obvious when you see basically these settings fighting with each other? They're the there's they're two, not fighting each other they're, they're just wrong they're wrong but they're not fighting each other it's just the algorithm responding the way that it was designed to respond and using those you settings have, it makes you it makes you a little too low it cuts itself off which makes you too high it gets aggressive again which makes you low and you're saying that if these two settings were more in line with what you actually needed there'd be this stability where there'd be some insulin but you wouldn't be taking it away and then adding extra and taking away and adding extra all the time. Yes. Okay. And that process of take, even though the algorithm can keep up with the problem, mostly taking away, giving back, taking away, giving back, that is not your goal. No, absolutely right. not. Right. Okay. Um, so we kind of went over what normal mode looks like. Um, exercise mode in my opinion, my opinion is completely worthless unless you're thinking two hours ahead and what 13-year-old looks two hours ahead. Mm -hmm. 
the way it works is instead of targeting that 112.5, it will target 150 instead. It will still deliver correction doses if you're predicted to be above 180 in the next 30 minutes. It will still increase basal if predicts uh, the blood glucose to be above 160 in the next 30 minutes. Um, it will decrease insulin even if it predicts the BG lower than 160 in the next 30 minutes. It will suspend if it predicts your blood glucose will be lower in, than 80 in the next 30 minutes instead of 70 like in normal mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you know that you're going to go on a bike ride in two hours, then yes, you can turn on exercise mode and it will protect you and it's great. Right. If you're running a marathon, you know, an hour and a half, two hours away, if you turn it on, it works great. But for a lot of parents, they say, oh, well, it doesn't work. And that's because they turn it on right before their kid gets on the trampoline and then wonders why Johnny goes low on the trampoline. <laughs> um, it, it's not great for those kids, you know, and those families that are a lot more spontaneous. And, you know, I don't know about a lot of people, but like my kid has a full-size trampoline in the backyard next to a huge 16-foot pool. And yes, he uses them together all summer long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well i i think that it's funny because while you're talking about this i'm relating it to to loop in my head yeah and what i'm thinking is that when i see when i look at overnight what i want to see is that arden's basal insulin is not being cut away constantly and exactly and that there's no correction the, the correction boluses aren't happening all the time and and i i do want to say that things happen and you want the algorithm to work, but generally speaking, away from impacts like you know boluses, food, uh, you know hormones, like in just a normal time, which God knows, Jeremy, how often do the normal times happen? But in those normal times, you want your settings to just work. They're yes. they're where they are, and and the result is low and stable. Yes, yeah, and not low, low, and- but like normal and stable. Yes. And then that moves us into that sleep mode that Mm -hmm. everybody uh, raves about. Um, So really quick, sleep mode will target a very tight range of 112 and a half to 120 while it's on, but not deliver any correction doses whatsoever. It will, however, be much more aggressive when increasing and decreasing the basal. Mm -hmm. Once again, that's where the insulin sensitivity factor comes into great play. You have to have ISF dialed in immaculately overnight um, along with basal. But Thaman normally, he gets down in that, oh, 85 to 95 range all night long. From one week after starting Control IQ, I slept every single night. I maybe have one or two nights a month where um, he has a compression low and an alarm goes off. Other than that, if it wasn't for my sleep apnea, I would sleep all through the night. (laughs) (laughs) 85 to 95? Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing that not in sleep mode? No, we're doing that in sleep mode at night. Excuse me. We're just not in sleep mode 24-7 like a lot of people. Um, there, there's a lot of people that, that their life, um, is very, it's normally on older type ones, um, or type ones that have the very, very 
stringent routine every single day where everything's the same. We eat the same breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We exercise at the same point in time every single day. There's not a lot of variation. You're able to turn that tw- that that sleep mode on 24-7. And if you're these people that have those settings uh, set up just perfectly, there is no reason for control IQ to dump a 60% correction. Right. They do that themselves. They're already so in tune with themselves because they've been doing this for so long that, uh, they're making, you know, they, they don't boluses. need that. Yeah, they're, 60%. Making, they're making great boluses around food. They're not vacillating a lot to begin with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and so they, they benefit from sleep mode being more aggressive. And, you know, when they're, when they're awake, because they're they're not running away, you know, running a hundred yard dash whenever like a thirteen year old does whenever he's a girl from half a block away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Or going from the trampoline to the pool back to the trampoline or something like that. Yes, right. exactly. I see. Okay. Um from there, it's it's a lot of it is understanding Dexcom um reports. And we're talking about clarity. If you don't have clarity, download it on your phone, sign into it. There's tons of different reports. And yes, they look intimidating at first. Um, Needless to say, the only thing that matters to me on, on Dexcom clarity is that AGP report. It's the very last one. It shows you your average blood sugar at a given time throughout the whole day. Then it has a blue bubble around it that shows basically, without getting horrifically nerdy, shows you how variable you've been around that um, average blood sugar. Um, and then from there, it's using those reports to make smart, educated, experienced decisions in a very consistent manner to get better than average results. Hmm. You look at the AGP report. And if you start seeing like on a seven day average, you, you keep raising every single day at 3.20 p.m. About an hour and a half before that little kick up, you should probably have a basal uh, uh, segment there. Um, it's about a lot of people will argue over um, two or three or one basal segments in a pump. Yeah. My, my son has nine. Wow. And the reason that okay. he has nine is because that's what he needs. And you look at AGP report, like I said, I can pull up a 30 day graph and it's straight as can be. And the blue line is very, very close to that red, that red line in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I don't want to say it's not rocket science. It, it's all with time and experience. Um, and staying very consistent and understanding what each thing that you're adding is going to do. I'm pulling up Arden's AGP report right now so that I can ask you a question about it. Because what you said was to make, you know, you talked about making smart decisions about changes, but who tells you what those changes are? And like, what, what about the report says something to you and says, you know, go ahead and, you know, this means do a thing. You know what I mean? Like, like, so sure. I have Arden's last, it's interesting, right? I just, it just popped up her last two days. Um, and she's not 
she doesn't have any hormonal impact in the last two days or much less. Um, her standard deviation cuts in half when that happens. So yeah. Very, very, very interesting. It's, it can go, it can be as high as 40 at times with still an average blood sugar of 110 to 114. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as the birth control pill she's on goes to placebo, her deviation goes into the low twenties. Yeah. Right away. And that's just because. I, and I've, I've dealt with one other, uh, young young younger female she was 13 that uh it was the same way um it just depending on what type of month it was and we we made those adjustments and we made a different you know deal in the in the pump to to deal with that time of the month Mm -hmm. and we figured out okay every month she needs this much more three days before she's really regular let's uh you know treat this the way it should be treated we know that she's regular let's be brave and let's start increasing that insulin the day before we know we need it Mm -hmm. um but go ahead and go back to the agp report let's talk about well i i get my glasses but um it's hard to put them on (laughs) next to the con i just got old out of nowhere a couple years ago um so i i went back and i went to 30 days now so the last 30 day, the last three weeks, Arden's been trying. So I think everybody who listens knows, like, we're trying to regulate Arden's period with a birth control pill. It isn't going so great. But um, so I have her average glucose is 122 over the last 30 days. She has been very low 1.4% of the time, which means under 54. Low 6.4% of the time, which means 70, under 70. I don't particularly consider that low, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, uh, in target, and the target, of course, is you know seventy to one eighty for the report. I have eighty, yes, eighty three point four percent of the time high over one eighty ten percent of the time, and very high point three percent of the time. Um, her uh, coefficient of variation was thirty three over the last month, and like I said, her standard deviation is forty when you when you get all that involved in it. Now, the, in truth, I don't know. I haven't looked back. Um, I don't look at clarity as much as I should, to be perfectly honest. So, sure. so when I look at this line that I'm seeing, it appears to be incredibly stable, right around 100, 110 for this last 30 days. Um, I see a little bit of an uptick around 2 p.m. that lasts until about 6 or so. So if she does get higher, she can go 130 or so in that time frame. Um, and when I do see the 180s, it's in that exact time frame, four o'clock yeah. to four o'clock to eight o'clock. Anyway, I don't know what do I do with this. So I I focus on the red line in the middle. Okay. Um, and I kind of make sure that I understand that where meals are and that there is going to be a spike. But in that thirty day graph, at least, I normally make adjustments on the seven day or the fourteen. But the thirty tells a lot. It tells how long have you had this problem. And if at every, if you see on the 30-day graph a slight uptick, because I'm pretty – I've seen AGP reports, and I'm like, holy hell. And it takes a good month to straighten that red line out like a rubber band. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they're like that every single day. That just means that your average – that's where your average is. I don't care about day-to-day. Yeah, the median. I care about the average over time because mm-hmm. this is a marathon, not a race. Right. And so if, if I saw in the 30-day graph a slight increase at 2 p.m., 
I would look at my son's pump and I would say, okay, that basil at 1230, keeping in mind that his lunch is at 1130 at school. I know it's not lunch. That's a basil issue to me. And I would literally go to 1230, an hour and a half before two. And, and I found that all but one of the kids that I've helped or one of the families that I've helped, every single last one of them has been an hour and a half before the, before the event on AGP. Mm-hmm. So I would go to 1230 and I would literally bump him. If it's just a slight one, I would literally bump him five one thousands on his basil. Okay. Just and it will, best. at two o'clock, it will hit. And 0.005 isn't enough to, to drive them low. And then the next day, if you look at it, you're like, okay, it's still there. But if I did another 0.005, it would be done. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where I go. I don't get so granular that I go by the thousandth, but I do go by the five thousandths or the 0.1. Because I can look at a line and be like, okay, that happened yesterday too. And at that angle or that delta, the change in, in uh, blood sugar reading, that that angle is going to need a 0.1 instead of a 0.005 mm-hmm. it you know you'll you'll get used to it you'll you'll look at a line and you'll be like okay that's happened three days now that's that's going to be a, a 0.1 instead of a 0.005 that's because you're staying consistent and you know what 0.005 does or you know what 0.1 does well so, um so this, or 0.01 sorry no, no so when i'm looking at this looking at arden's also, the other thing we're doing is that Arden is, um, we're onboarding more and more responsibility to Arden as it gets closer to her leaving for college. So sure. this is a little bit of her practicing. And I think sure. this is her doing a not great job of pre-bolusing as much as she should for her lunch. So, you want me to blow your mind? Go ahead. We don't pre-bolus at all, ever. Anymore. Because ever. everything's so tight for you. Yes. That it doesn't matter. It does not matter because the other thing that people don't think about in, and lots of people do, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of the things that people don't understand is they'll show me a chart and they'll say, well, I dosed correctly for this meal and look, there's still 250 at the end of the day. But if you look at the line, when they dosed, they were already climbing. And the thing is, is whenever you bolus with any pump on the market, any pump on the market, whenever you bolus for a meal, the pump assumes a straight line. Mm-hmm. If you hit bolus, 88 carbs, and hit enter, it's going to assume it tandem will automatically pull your Dexcom reading into that calculator. And let's say it was 150. It will assume that your blood sugar is 150 and completely steady. It does not take in, and this, this goes for Omnipod, this goes for everything. It assumes a straight line. So if you are 150 and you're an arrow up, it's going to under bolus you. If you are 150 arrow down, you, it's going to over bolus you. So that comes back to like, if, if you look at the meal and you, you're having 88 carbs, you're 150 and you're, let's say arrow uh, diagonal up mm-hmm. and you're looking at the delta and you're like okay so the delta is moving about 0.6 right now 
you have to think 30 minutes ahead. So, okay, so 30 minutes ahead um, at 6, 30, that's six readings time. That's 30 points more. So you're going to have to think, okay, so I know my son's ISF is 55. So that looks like about an extra 0.7 units of insulin. So what I'll literally have him do is I'll say, hey, what does your pump say to give you? And let's say it's, it says to give him an even four, four units just to, you know, throw an easy number out there. I'll tell him, hey, can you change that to point or 4.7, please? Because he's going up. The pump doesn't know he's going up. It assumes he's 150 in a straight line. So you add that extra insulin based on time, you're not going to have the time. They won't even spike. It's, okay. it's understanding that that pump isn't going to deliver based on the change of delta before a meal. Hmm. And I hope that's not too, too nerdy. No, are you kidding? That's why you're here. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's exactly why you're here. Actually, I'm also, I, I, I didn't realize that in Clarity that we had settings um, for the reports set where I don't care about them. I, I, like, like I want, I to me, a high blood sugar is 140. That's, yeah. that's what I, um, but then that's what I'm looking for. Um and I so lots of people don't have that set up correctly. Now I I, I understand your idea of a of a high is one forty. Yeah. There's a lot of us that you know that is how it is. I prefer clarity to be set to seventy to one eighty. Okay, and I know that you know. Tell me why everybody everybody hear me out here is um. ADA standard says 70% in time between 70 and 180 with a SD or a standard deviation of less than one third of the average BG. That is your target. And here's why I use that in clarity to make people understand 72% of all type ones do not meet that very, very loose standard. Mm -hmm. And I need people to understand that whenever it's set to 70 to 180, I can say, look, you're 83% in range right now between 70 and 180. Remember, 73% of all type ones don't even get that. Ever. You are doing so much better. Yeah. And if you set it to 140, that's great. If you can get it like 80% in range between 70 and 140, that's more work than I care to do. So I just changed it and I did it for the last 90 days and, uh, in target range, 83%. So, yep. you know, so right now, like Thamen, um, let's do the 90 days mm-hmm. average glucose of one twenty seven, very low 0.1 low 1.3% in target 91.3. High is seven point four and very high is zero point six. Mm, that's interesting. Our our um our high and our very high are very similar and our in targets very similar. That's interesting. Because we don't put up with it and we yeah. we look at things before they happen and we take care of them before they happen. It's trusting what you know is going to happen is going to happen and making sure you do something about it. You know, don't just I mean control IQ, like I said, no algorithm is perfect. 
Yeah. If you just think that you're going to turn on control IQ or Omnipod five for that matter, or loop for that matter, or any other algorithm and just be able to set it and forget it, yeah. you're sorely mistaken. It's not going to work out. What control IQ does for me is it provides sleep every night and a reduction in the time that I have to study things and the amount of changes I have to make by a better fold of 90%. Mm-hmm. I still have to do a little bit of lifting here. But that's, like I said before, that comes with, with time and experience and understanding how insulin works in your or your child's body and taking things in a very consistent manner. Once you understand how that point, you know, one change in basal is going to hit and you're accurately able to change basal or you correct a low blood sugar in a very consistent manner, things become so much easier because you understand what the impact of the insulin or the carbs are going to have and your outcomes are going to be more precise and better done. Now, this I know it sounds like I'm being like so strict and everything else. I'm not. It's just understanding it. And like once I understood it and I got everything dialed in, I do even less work because I've done figured it out for my son and I've done figured it out for these other people that they can just go on cruise control. And we know that, that whenever a change in basal needs to happen or a carb ratio change needs to happen, it's not a big deal. Make the small change to make the impact and let it go. If it happens again, make that small change again and let it go. It's not a big deal. Right. Well, um, I think I think what you're saying has far-reaching implications too. Not I mean, you, this is a specific situation. You are a really motivated guy who's incredibly smart and tuned into this. Um obviously listened to a great podcast that got you going and you've just run with absolutely. it. Yeah, yeah. And, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm joking. But um I'm not joking. <laughs> I think the podcast is terrific, but you know what I'm saying. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so but what I'm going at is that everyone doesn't need to do it at the level that Jeremy's talking about to get the benefit of the of the big picture of what he's talking about. Um because I feel like you're I almost feel like I'm hearing my voice come back through you on a lot of a lot of points about um you know stay involved uh you know pay attention don't settle for high blood sugars don't overtreat low blood sugars like this some those things are just universally true yes. for people but when yeah. those things happen whenever you do give too much insulin or you're too bold don't let that be afraid just that is something that happened and as long as you say, okay, that happened, let's move past it and keep going and don't get scared with it. Yeah. If you overtreat a, a, a low and he goes and your child goes high, that's okay. That's one high in the time of their life. It is a marathon, not a race. Don't beat yourself up. Right, right. I see all these parents beating themselves up that, oh, well, we overcorrected and now they're high for the next three hours. And I corrected three hours ago. And it's like, stop, just stop beating yourself up. Take care of it, drop it, learn from the situation and move on. Your mental health as a caretaker is just as important as your child's health. Um, Do not allow your child's diabetes to take control of your mental status. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I ended up having to go on to Paxil just to deal with the anxiety. 
I ended up in the hospital with heart attack-like symptoms and ended up being stressed and anxiety. Learn what you can so you understand what's going on. Keep things consistent so you have consistent outcomes. Make small, impactful decisions and drop things that don't work. If it happens one day, it's random. If it happens more than once, change something. Don't wait. And then because you get just the third day it happens, you get frustrated. The fourth day, you start feeling down that you can't take care of your child. Make the change. And if it if it's something small, just, just try one small thing. Hmm. And then go, okay, that kind of worked. Let's do it a little bit more. And work your way up to being able to do things by yourself. But don't allow this disease to overcome you. Let me, let me get some clarity on something you just said. So are you saying that prior to you understanding all of this, it, the stress was a lot? Is the stress still there now? No. No. Dude, right. we live life, man. Yeah. So this, You know, everybody, I'm, there's a, some people that say, oh, your, your son may not, must not be doing anything. The, dude, this kid is more active than most. He's not into any sports. He is, um, he's a nerd like me. He's in all honors classes. He has straight A's. He's in the National Honor Society. The kid, um, I can't even help him with his math homework anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid's smart as a whip, but he is still active. He goes for bike rides. He goes, jumps on the trampoline, he swims. He runs around with his, his brother and sister. He does all types of very active things. He goes to the jump park and we do this spontaneously. We don't do it in fear. Go, oh, well, we're going to go swimming tomorrow. Oh, God, can't wonder wonder what's going to happen with his blood sugar. No, take extra carbs. Go in there. Give him some extra carbs before he jumps in the pool. Let him have fun. Let's go. Let's live life. Yeah. Um, I know it's terrifying, but the thing is that you got to try. And if it doesn't work the first time, try again. Yeah, I think a lot of Eventually, the... Eventually, something's going to work. Right. And I think a lot of the mental comfort that comes eventually is from seeing things happen that you expect. Um, and yes. yeah, and paying attention at the beginning to these things, your basal, if you're on a, you know, if you're on an algorithm, um, even more so for insulin sensitivity, but still on just a regular pump, insulin sensitivity, carb ratios, um, correction factors, you get those things close even and things get better. And then once they're close, then you can kind of see them a little better. It's not so wildly out of tune that you have to guess. Um, and I know that all sounds like, yeah, sure. That sounds easy. How do I do that? I mean, you know, I mean, I've talked about it a million times in the podcast. I think the way you do it is by getting your basal right first, then start worrying about your meals, your ratios, and then start thinking more about different impacts of different foods, correction factors from there, et cetera. Like you you do have to, it takes time to get it straight. You're not going to just, your doctor's not going to magically set your settings in the right spot. And even if they do, even if they get like, slot machine lucky you know the kid's gonna still grow or you're even as an adult are gonna gain 10 pounds or lose 10 pounds or start walking more or sitting more and then suddenly those settings aren't right anymore um it takes it takes paying attention i i think one of the most important things you said here is you know you got to take a little responsibility and and put a little effort into it you, you know and not the kind of effort where you're just like i'm trying i'm trying but like focused effort that uh, that may lead you a lot of it is educating yourself properly but understanding what 
is actually going on inside of your child's body and understanding what your body, their body, how their body is different than yours Mm -hmm. and understand how food digests differently in your body compared to theirs. If you have a chance to wear a Dexcom, do it. Scott's done it. I've done it. Lots of parents have done it. Once you understand what it's supposed to look like, it becomes so much easier to do it yourself. And it's a little more relaxing too. You know, yes. when you see 140 blood sugar for two hours, it doesn't feel like you've, you know, uh, made some painful failure. You just realize that that, that happens to a lot of people, you, you know, every day people with fully functioning pancreases that are working perfectly um, still see elevated blood sugar sometimes. I mean, I had to eat pretty hard to get my blood sugar to 160, but I still was able to do it with enough pizza. You know, yeah, see, it, I, I eat like crap and it, it that was not an issue with me. That's interesting. Yeah, I had to eat. I had to eat so much just to hit one sixty one time. Other than that, I was eating cereal. Like, like I don't know if you remember. At one point, I took two different kinds of sugared cereal, mixed them together in the same bowl, and ate them. And yeah, I, and my blood sugar didn't. Move. I think it was what sugar smacks and fruity pebbles, I corn think? pops, or for, something like that. And my blood sugar never even went up. I I was yeah. almost disappointed by it. I was almost like, oh Wait. god, you know. Um, but anyway. Uh, Jeez, Jeremy, this is great. Like, how long do you think it took you to figure all this out, put it into practice? Um, slowly over the course of about two years, I was about 80% there. Over three years, I was like completely relaxed and like, uh, it, it is what it is. Let's fix it, move on, and was able to just look at things um, a lot smoother. Now, there are those families out there, though, that have those alpha moms that I love to death because whenever they get a hold of me and I'm like, what do you do for a living? And they're like, I'm an accountant. I'm a numbers person. Those people, literally, it takes me two weeks to figure them out, explain what's going on, and they move right on their way and they still have, you know, under seven A1Cs to this day. Um, I wasn't that person. I am a type of person that while I was the kid that took the VCR apart and put it back together and it still worked missing three parts. Um, I, 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 I need to understand what's going on. I'm just one of those people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I really dove into it. Um, especially the biology part of, you know, what happens and what, what, why is his body so much different than mine? And why is it doing this? And understanding what the the tug of war, as you describe it, and what can I do on each end of the rope to pull harder, pull less, or get it right. You know, that's making small, concise adjustments. Right, right. Well, I have to tell you, while we were talking, I adjusted Arden's basil. <laughs> so I looked, Just, I looked at that clarity report, and I thought this. Like this A1C that I've been okay with, which is her right around a six because she's making more decisions and 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 choosing boluses and things like that on her own without too much input right now. I thought, oh, this is a reflection of that she's, I don't know, that she's, you know, just kind of finding her stride with it. But then when I looked at that report, I thought, mm, that's not fair because I have a lot of stability away from food that's still a little higher than I want it to be. So I just changed her basal from 1.1 to 1.2 just to see what would happen. 
Um, yeah. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to watch it over the next day or so and see if I, if I can find some consistency. I mean, we have incredible consistency, but to find it a little lower um, would be interesting. And then I think that'll probably help with the food too, that's happening. Uh, the food impacts that are happening, like I said, between probably around one thirty, two o'clock and six, seven o'clock in the afternoon. So yeah. I appreciate you making me think about it too. I get busy sometimes too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, there are, and that's, that's just the basis of it. There are th- other things that I do that are more on the ninja level than, than just the standard stuff. I don't expect people to do that. Like stuff like understanding, like my son eats the same food at the same time every morning during the we- weekday. So what I literally do is I will just like, you know, you would, I purposely make his basil a little stronger about an hour and a half before he eats on a weekday. Mm-hmm. That's my pre-bolus. That is not normal. The... I don't teach yeah. people that. But the thing is, is like, I know that at school, his lunch is at the same time every single day. Right. And you can't get this kid off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with a bag of chips, a Diet Coke, and some strawberries. You just can't get that kid off of that meal. Mm -hmm. I offer him all different types of things. Grandma puts in different types of things. It all comes back to peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and this is what I want. (laughs) Maybe he'll have some pistachios one day. So you're upping basil as a pre-bolus knowing that these meals, these exact meals are going to happen over and over again at the same exact time. Yes. Okay. Because it's, it's, it's literally, you know, knowing or expecting, you know, the damn saying I'm getting frustrated, (laughs) (laughs) but um, expect what, uh, you know, is going to happen is going to happen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I probably should have come up with a saying that was easier to say there, but uh, well, yeah. And then like the only (laughs) variable I have is after lunch, is he immediately going to go outside and start chasing girls around or is he going to stand and do nothing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because those are his variables. uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like you like the, and I'm like, dude, why are you dumping? And he's like, Oh, I ran around and chased girls at lunch. I'm like, dude, if you're going to do that, cut some carbs out of lunch. You know, <laughs> if it's 80 carbs, cover 50 carbs. I don't think and he then knows. you can chase the girls all, all yeah. day long. Jeremy, dude. I don't think he knows till he sees them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. Uh, I appreciate you doing this very much. Is there anything else that we should be adding to this thing? Um, Because I'm going to ask you a question at the end. I just want to make sure you've got out what you want to say. No, I I don't think. I mean, that's a pretty good understanding of control IQ and how I do it and how I teach people to do it and how we how we adjust things to live a more, I guess, productive life while having great blood sugars and not having to worry all day about diabetes anymore. Okay. So, um, okay. So if I were to come to you and I'd said, Hey, Jeremy, I use control. Like you, by the way, you do this out of the goodness of your heart. You help people. Yeah. Oh, and once again, not an invitation <laughs> to start messaging me. Do not. I find got me four up. families on my plate right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> about enough. Jeremy's got a job, you know. Um, so, all right. So, well, that's very kind of you to help people. Um, so, if I come to you right now and I'm like, "Hey, Jeremy, listen, uh, 
uh, I'm on control IQ, but I'm seeing, you know, spikes at meal times that aren't correcting for hours at a time. Uh, and I'm getting some lows overnight. W- what do you look at first? You just pull all up that I report? need from them is the seven day AGP report and their pump settings. No kidding. And then I maybe ask 20 questions about how, what do you normally eat? When do you normally eat? What insulin do you use? Um, is bedtime consistent on a nightly basis? Um, what kind of activity does your child choose to have? Right. Um, or you know, that type of thing. Or do they, are they on their period yet? If so, is it regular? Um, just the normal questions that you know, mm-hmm. either your CDE or your endo or should be asking know, and probably aren't. should be asking. Yeah. yeah. And it, 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 they ask those questions for a very specific reason, because it paints a picture, at least in my head of when I look at that AGP report, what am I actually seeing? Am I seeing basil that's way off from a kid that has no activity and eats, um, five or six times a day, um, non-regulated in time and whatnot. Um, do I have a very, um, protein based diet? Do I have a low carb diet? Mm -hmm. Personally, Thamen, he eats whatever the hell he wants, whenever he wants. Most I've ever, uh, bolused for in a single meal was 543. Wow. 543 carbs. Yes. You go and look at these damn milkshakes at this, uh, this uh, burger shop that's up here and they're just gigantic and they're like $17 and they have waffles sticking out of them and <laughs> everything else. And you look at it and you start thinking and you're like, yep. And then we came to 547 after staring at it for about 15 minutes. Um, and that's what you, we did. You, and how much insulin was that for him? Oh, sorry. I shouldn't no, swear. You're fine. About what? It, it was, his carb ratio was six or six point five at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Oh, I can divide by six. Ninety some odd units. Wow! Did a ninety unit bolus? Yeah. And he wasn't low. Nope. <laughs> you know, I, did I have to hit it again about an hour and a half later when I knew the fat was going to kick in because? I trusted that I knew what was going to happen is going to happen. Yes, I did. Do you think control IQ is going to be able to do that or Omnipod five or loop or anything? No, it can't. You have to be proactive. Do it. Override the pump. All pumps can be overrided, whether it has an algorithm or not. Yeah. Jeremy, I got to tell you, if I had a, if I had a diploma for this podcast, you'd be the first one to get it. (laughs) 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 That's amazing. I, uh, would not have had the nerve to give that much, I don't think. Uh, and I'm pretty ballsy about it. Uh, wow, that's amazing. I'm assuming most of his bolses are not nearly that large, but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's a great I example mean, of he, he sees like a hundred carb bolus maybe once every other week. At dinner averages about eighty to ninety carbs. Lunch is eighty ninety carbs. Breakfast is sixty five every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> hey, Arden so, just had Arden just had a lunch that was um a salad, and then she asked for a bowl of vegetables. She had uh, rice, basmati rice, 
uh, corn, steamed corn, and steamed carrots. And it's a, a pretty big bowl of, you know, of, of vegetables. And I think we bolused, I know it was, I know we picked 45 for the vegetables, which was the carrots, the rice, and the corn. And then I think the salad was even 20. So she got like 65 carbs for salad and vegetables this afternoon. And her blood sugar is still sticking at like 120. So yeah. we missed a little bit on, on the Yeah, and that, that's fine though. That That's low glycemic food. You understand yeah. that. But right. I mean, you didn't, to me, you didn't miss. No, it's like, great. It's in, nice in my and brain, stable too. Like the 140 is, is okay. But I'm sure once you saw that you're like, oh, it's sticking a little bit. You, you either let Luke get a little aggressive on the, on everything, or you told her to take a half a unit. Yeah. I told her to add, um, I, I told her to add three carbs to her last bolus, which is something you yeah. can do in loop that you can't do in, um, in, in some of the proprietary algorithms, which I think is, uh, yeah. I, I, if the company can do are, it in, you can do it in control IQ, you can add carbs to an old, but bolus? I, I, I prefer not to do it. I, I prefer a straight override. Okay. Because once again, I know what a half of a, a unit is. Mm-hmm. Now, if I put three carbs in, if it's been more than one hour since the last correction, it's also going to correct his blood sugar. It's okay. going to add extra or it's going to take away extra depending on Delta. Mm-hmm. So I would rather say, okay, I'm looking at his line. It's fairly straight. Um, I know IOB says he has two units on board, but it's not real. So I'm going to hit him with a 0.5 because I know what 0.5 does. Right. If I was to put three extra carbs in, it may give him 0.2. It may give him 0.7. It may give him 0.6, depending on which way the arrow is going, which, how his blood sugar is going, if he's had a correction in the last hour or not. If there's been an auto bolus in the last hour or not, there's so much vari- var- variability there. I'm not going to deal with that. I know what a half a unit will do. Hit him with a half a unit. Let him go. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I love it. Now, do we override the pump all day long every day? No. No, I don't either. It is so dialed in that you don't have to. But when you do, we do. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, I have to tell you, I um, I know that after you talk to somebody the first time, you probably converse back and forth with them and text and things like that and takes some days and weeks probably to, to adjust it right down. Um, I found myself wishing we could record every interaction you had with somebody just to see how it happens. I know we can't, but um, sure. yeah, it's uh, that's the piece that's missing is that somebody like you remind people you work in a motorcycle shop. Is that right? Yes, I'm I'm the the marketing manager of a Harley Davidson dealership. Um, that's I actually well I'm actually for two dealerships here in town. We own a sister store. Mm-hmm. Um, I ride Harleys. I own Harleys. I have a beard. Um, I'm your atypical biker with a weird ass haircut, and I swear a lot. I drink Mountain Dew a lot, and, and taught yourself I complain how to do about this. how fat I am all the time. <laughs> and turned yourself into a pretty damn good endocrinologist. <laughs> so well, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to go into our endo. Not going to that. You're not going to work me into that. <laughs> but I mean, the other awesome thing is like I may be all those things. I may be a pancreas to my son and a few other kids and whatnot. But 
to me, giving back to the community is what really matters. And like, I um, am also a voting board member and a uh, marketing director for the Montana Youth Diabetes Association, Mm -hmm. which is after the ADA camp left Montana and left all the type ones high and dry, all the volunteers that have been going to that camp for since they were kids said, let's get a camp going and get these kids back to camp in Montana. Very nice. And so we, I'm giving back that way. I have to, yeah, because the community has given so much to me and my son's health, you know, mostly, you know, the podcast and you and everybody in the group that I have to give back some way that I can. Yeah. I understand. You know, I understand feeling like that. I think you're doing amazing stuff too on top of everything else. And um, I appreciate you coming on here and sharing this with people because there's just no, nobody really tells you what to do. They just give you the thing and then it works out as well as it does. And then they call that good and, and that's where it stays forever. So yeah, it's just understanding yeah. how the algorithm works and, and, and how it doesn't work and when to step in and when not to step in and, it's time and experience and, and not just sitting on things and doing things and trying things and failing and succeeding. And, you know, you do something enough, eventually it's going to work out. Yeah, I agree. All right, Jeremy, I can't thank you enough for doing this, man. Um, I really do wish you would have named your kid Thanos because when you say his name, that's what I hear anyway, but that's not, it's <laughs> not your problem. It's mine. Um, I'm glad he's doing so well and that you're doing so well. Um, it really is, uh, it's a testament to what, I mean, what you can accomplish if you get good information and you want to put some effort into it. It really is astonishing. You know, I I hope you're proud of yourself. Seriously. I try. Yeah. No, really, man. It's a, it's really something that you've accomplished. So that boy might never know, but I know. And, uh, the people listening know. So, uh, like I said, I would, I would send my first, my first ever degree off uh, from the podcast will go to you if I ever make one. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. Don't look for me to do that. That sounds like a lot of work. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I really, I really can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. Thank you very much. Not a problem, Scott. Well, first we want to thank Jeremy for coming back on the show and sharing what he's learned about control IQ. And then we want to thank U.S. Med and remind you to go to usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514 to get your free benefits check. Thanks also goes out to the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. You can find out more and get started right now. You can actually buy one right there at this. I know you can buy one at my link. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, what else should I tell you? Oh, there are uh, many other episodes about algorithm based pumping. I have a list of them. In fact, want me to tell you what they are? Eh, what the hell? We're all here together, right? What are you in a big hurry to get back to your job? Let's just listen for another second. Okay, here they are. The first episode I ever done 
I ever done. Oh boy. The first episode, the episode, this is going well. The first, the first, <laughs> start over. The first episode I ever did about an algorithm was looping. It was episode 227 called Diabetes Concierge. Did one then called A Loopy Few Months, episode 252. Then episode 304, Loop de Loop. Episode 312, Fox in the Loop House, part one. Episode 313, Fox in the Loop House, part two. Episode 326, we talked about the Minimed 670G. And in episode 420, Fox in the Loop House, part three. Those are with Kenny Fox. You'll love those. In episode 537, Haley came on. She's a tandem pump trainer. In episode 601, we told the story of how I started looping in an episode called Gina Made Me Loop. Episode 620 was an exclusive interview with Omnipod CEO called Exclusive Omnipod 5 Interview. And of course, today, in episode 662, Jeremy breaks down how he uses Control IQ. We're going to be talking a lot more about these algorithms in the future. So if you're enjoying these, go check out the old ones. And if you just got done with this and thought, eh, I'm not getting an algorithm, go check out the pro tip series, and they will definitely help you pump without the algorithm. As a matter of fact, they'll help you pump with the algorithm too. But, you know, I'm just trying to find a way to mention some more stuff in the podcast. I think you see what's going on. All right. Thanks again for listening. Your support means everything. Wonderful ratings and reviews pouring in for the podcast. Downloads and streams are at an all-time high. And all of that means that you are sharing the podcast with someone else. And for that, I cannot thank you enough. It is the most important piece about how the podcast grows.